should hope so we spent the whole evening last week watching the film and i told you to make notes so oh i made notes oh well that's good then but i can't guarantee of what mental state (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put this over here for now for now i'm just gonna put the ipad out of sight out of mind because (laughs) i must have been having an episode an episode speaking of episodes Oh, oh no! no. I just oh no! Look I, at that line. I leant no. away from the mic on pur- I purposely looked to the sky. <sighs> well, that's not good, is it? No. Oh, okay, okay I'm go. feeling. I'm feeling low energy again. Need to get hyped up. I can slap you if you want. That'd be good for the for the. Actually, yeah, slap me. How how would that sound? Go get the mic. I want the mic real close. It's yeah. Okay. Here. It's got to be like. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Oh, look, look at that! Such a neat little line. Lovely. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm feeling better now. Actually, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, welcome to Insert Plot here. I'm Matt. I'm Jake. Oh, it feels weird this week. I don't know yeah. why it feels weird. I think it's because we had the two week hiatus, and then we came back and met yes uh, last week, yeah. and it was that. Let's go. Actually, we need to do some prep work. Yeah, this is the thing. And um, much like how we usually leave all our prep work for when. Either you get home or I turn up. Yep. It's a bit hard to do that when it's based on a rather long and detailed film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, <laughs> But you, long, did, you did more homework than I did. Long, slow moving, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yes, this is a long time coming, this one. That's my... No, it's not my can of Coke. It's your can of Coke. <laughs> get real sad. Long time coming. This is the June episode. So... Dune. 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 Um, a little bit of background. If you don't know... June is the reason we started this podcast. So we had sat down and we wanted to watch a film and we decided to watch June. I had heard a little bit about the story. This was months and months and months. This was this was like nearly two years ago. Why are you giggling? Because in my head, I'm thinking, can we do a musical intro special? And all I could think of was either Died in Your Arms Tonight, but replace it with lyrics to do with June. Oh, or God. what's that song that's got the dance where it's dun 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 Oh, Candy. Yeah, but all I can think is dun 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 dun. Okay, let me set the scene before we go off on tangents. Come to bar in your arms tonight. No, no. This is where my brain's gone. No. No, <laughs> no. This is where my psyche is at. Usually, it's me who sings towards the beginning of the podcast, but this week it's you. I know. Um. So yes, June is what started this podcast. Uh, Jake and I, we used to live together. We've watched a lot of films together. Um, and we decided. Well, apparently, you've to... not watched any films. Apparently, I've not watched any films. <laughs> you must have been asleep the whole time. Apparently, um, and we watched June, and we loved the story so much that we were, and we spent a. About half an hour after the film, dissecting it and talking about mm-hmm. it. Back then, like nearly two years ago. And then we decided, actually, this was fun. Let's maybe think about turning this into a podcast or something of a digestible format. So that is essentially the birth plan of Insert Plot here. And we've been biding our time. We've been going to those special classes where you have to rub your belly. 
Yes, we've, we've been preparing. <laughs> we have been pre. We've been taking our prenatal vitamins. Uh, <laughs> We're in our fourth <laughs> trimester. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking melt. Um, and essentially, here we are. So the reason there was no podcast last week is we sat down and we watched the film again. We have watched the after watching n- the original one about a month beforehand. Yeah. And the differences between... <laughs> Which I need, like, <laughs> its own thing. Because <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. It's wild. There's a but... giant face that looks like a fish. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the <laughs> spaces. Yeah. And they go around with the hoovers. I, I, I think I want to talk about that film just purely on set design and visuals. We will talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, essentially, here we are. This is a Doom podcast. Last week, we watched the new film... Uh, the Timothy Chalamet and the Oscar Isaacs movie. He's going to be Wonka. It's not happened yet. I was right. I'm going to need you to stop tangenting, <laughs> right? Please, because I've had people come and say to us, like, one of my old friends from one of my friends from the old company has said, "Yes, really great, but you need to work on keeping on fucking topic." So I need the tangents Keep to take stop. On a straight line of Please stop. stop. <laughs> because. We are five minutes in, and I still That's have not fully us. introduced what's happening. Um, so yes, we watched the new film, the Oscar Isaac's Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> Stop. Um, <laughs> last week, um, and I told I asked Jake to make notes from from the film. I have been reading the original June book. That's what I say. You've been putting the homework in, and it has really quickly become one of my. One of, if not my favourite story, like sci-fi novel story concept. Speculative fiction, actually. Ever. Um, and now that we're now we're actually sitting down to talk about it. So there's no quote this evening. There's no poorly written plot. We will talk you through the plot of Jin. Slash, I will talk you through the plot of Jin. <laughs> um, just for three minutes at the beginning, for people who haven't seen it... Um, <clears throat> June is a story originally written by Frank Herbert in the Herbert um, in the mid nineties. Um, um, actually, I think you'll find uh, no. This is Matt from the future. Um, during the edit, I realised that I had a tiny slip of the tongue. Um, when I meant when I said the no- mid nineties, what I actually meant was the mid nineteen hundreds. Um. So, yeah, don't come for me. Genuine, honest mistake. Hey, stupid. I'm stupid. stupid. I Right, back to it. Enjoy. And that's a topic that we'll kind of discuss a little bit, but essentially follows a advanced civilization of humans in the future who have completely moved away from logical technology. So we're talking thinking machines so things that are able to do complex logic how we would refer to as ai now being able to intelligently rely on computers to do things um they've moved away from that technology and um they are now in a post-apocalyptic society is this technically then analog sci-fi yeah yeah a very very analog very analog i think Almost bio. Oh, bio. Yeah, yeah, not quite, but I know what you mean. Um, the computation happens biologically, as in like humans are doing it. Yeah. So the Spacing Guild um, are a subset of humanity 
um, who have been genetically modified and are now the thinking machines for space travel. Mm. So they have a monopoly on the currency. They have a monopoly on um, how society Capitalism. works. Capitalism. So one of my notes that I wrote down was capitalism has somehow prevailed Ew. Um, and continued to grow. Um, but essentially the story goes, there are a number of powerful houses throughout the universe um, called the Landsgrad. Um, they are houses that maintain power and maintain um, control over planets and parts of the universe. Uh, there is an emperor um, who kind of sits above the great houses. Um, and everything relies on this spice melange. Melange? What a melange. Melange au toi. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which essentially heightens the human mind. Um, so for some people, it gives them heightened uh, prescience, uh, gives them long life, great health, etc. Uh, et Funky et eyes. Funky eyes. Um, and essentially, it's about the power struggle in holding the spice, the power over Arrakis, which is the planet where the spice comes from, which is affectionately known as Dune because it is a desert planet. Dune. He said the name of the film. He said the name of the film. The film. <clears throat> so, my thoughts. I love it. I know the story. I know the book. I know the film. Blah blah blah. I've read it. What about you? What do so, you think? I I've written my notes kind of as we went through watching it. So mine is a not so well. It's a poorly written plot from the perspective of my brain. <laughs> so it's kind of going to make a little bit more sense now on my approach to things. So. I've, I, this is all shorthand. It's slightly <laughs> out of. Okay. So, what I thought is I can go through my notes and then you can enlighten <laughs> the details for the listener. This is a really good idea. I so, like this. Yeah. So, the first thing I wrote was. I will say before Jake gets going is that this is completely ad hoc. Apart from the preparation that we've done and like reading the books and learning a little bit about the history and the story and stuff, this is completely ad hoc. There is no planning for this episode whatsoever. It's a little red button the way we went. Yep, literally. So, I've got sand equals drugs. And then a line skewing off saying Honorakis, and then another note saying Fremen equals sweaty lads. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so let's break the, this down. They're the sweaty lads that live in the desert. <laughs> let's break this down. You are 100% right on all parts, <laughs> apart from none of it. <laughs> um, so, what was the first point? <laughs> sand equals drugs. No. I know the spice is in the sand and they mm-hmm. separate it. I know that. Yep. Um, has do you know and this is something that they didn't touch on in the film and I think it's happening in the second film mm. um, well they didn't really touch on it in the film is do you know where the spice comes from no okay do you want no okay no 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 no. don't don't do this to me because I won't read ahead <laughs> what do you mean you won't read ahead I'll have to wait for the second film to find out oh yeah okay and you'll have forgot because the only thing then. my brain goes to is worm poop kind of yeah so. so when <laughs> so when the worms are grown and this is this is one of the points of the film is like frank had built this entire universe and we'll get well this is kind of one of the things that i one i made note of and two i kind of wanted to preface with this was before any of the star wars stuff because i know this is your main gripe and i can your face says it all this this was before any of that mm-hmm. by quite a substantial amount of time yep i'm correct in well saying. not a massive amount of time so, the story was written in 1965. So, the original book was released in 1965. Frank wrote three books. 
June. Well, the thing is, even in 65, that's only what really around about 20 years post War. Second World War. Yeah. And a lot of the sci-fi Roswell kind of stuff popped out in the late 40s, 50s anyway. So this is quite this is close. Quite close. And even if you look at this from the lens of like Foundation, Foundation mm. was written, I think, during the war. Mm. right so it was written like you know the story of foundation i've made you yeah. sit through a couple of episodes it's kind of like my second story outside of june mm. in terms of like sci-fi classics it's kind of like my second um, mm. and that was written in the war or during the war i believe so if you think that's back to like the 40s and uh, so june was written in 1965 and there's a whole universe built around this like he's thought about everything and back to the my point around the spice he has thought about every intricate detail when building this universe. So mm. the spice comes from the worms as they're growing into big worms, hoarding water and the way that the spice comes up through the sand as these worms grow. It's yeah, because it's kind of my second note that I've then kind of gone on to saying that there is a Tolkien-esque yeah. kind of a, approach to detail. Maybe not so much in the naming conventions and all of the other real... <laughs> pun intended grittiness yeah when it comes to like the names of the flowers that are described when the fellowship are walking through a forest yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. to that but there is still the loop is closed in regards to the finer details i totally agree and even at the end of the first book and i'll show you after we're done but mm. there is a glossary of all of the terms yeah that are mentioned in the universe and then not even all of these are mentioned in the book it's honestly he's gone to the nth degree yeah. So yeah, it's so spice. Yep. Spice is drug. Yes, spice yep. is drug. You got the Fremen, which are the sweaty lads that live in the desert. Yep. Um, who guard it, and that that obviously leading on to that, they obviously protect it. Yep. But have accepted the fact that they're owned, but they're all fight for freedom, that kind of thing. Anyway, so that's that's there. I've got Harkonnens, which are the leather boys. <laughs> yeah, the leather boys. Which uh, they all look like clones. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of yeah, creating my image kind of thing going on. The emperor told them to get stuffed, you know, on your bike, off your trotskis. Yep. But he's obviously got bigger plans and wants to cause a a war for some sort of benefit, which we will yep. discover over time. Yep. Um, and then the next part that he's jumped to is use the voice. Yeah, so which you, is essentially where the force. Do we want to cover any of what you've just <laughs> said? So, like the Fremen, for example, they have like this very rudimentary religion that's based around turning Arrakis into paradise. Yeah, because it's a barren planet, and it's kept. It's been kept barren because, purpose, of, because the of the spice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their religion is based around this saviour coming and turning Arrakis into this paradise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, completely right. Sweaty boys. In the desert, Harkonnens used to own it. Yep. But told to jog on, but not told necessarily the reason as to why. But it's foreshadowing, you know, they're going to come back all pissy and be like, man, just charge. Yeah. Because they sabotaged equipment. They took stuff with them. Um, they left a few spies behind. That kind of dirty play. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny. One of the things I noticed in this film is that you can go from massively um, uncharacteristically English in quote mark, quote mark names 
all the way back to Paul. The funky names across the board, except for people like Paul and Duncan. And Jessica. Yeah, but, but then, then you've, you've got, got like the people that run the place are like... Well, yeah, that. but that's because a lot of it is based on like, um, I think it's Islamic cultures. I remember you saying so there there's was a kind lot of that of... there was a an Arabic influence because of the largest and prevailing religions yeah lasting the longest as the rest of them died off. I remember you saying there was a whole history. Well, of that's it. what I've that's what I've kind of perceived from the extended his the extended explanation of the universe, mm. uh, the like the June universe. So there's a reason why there are that those sporadic names, but one of the things as well as capitalism prevailing tens of thousands of years into the future. So do traditional English names. Yeah. Paul, Duncan, Jessica, all of these names. But we even see in our timelines the way that names change yeah. and the way that children are named now based on social media influence and all of this jazz. Like we've yeah, got yeah. North and all of this kind of what we would perceive as funky names. He has perceived the future as going a little bit more traditional in terms of names. But then obviously they were traditional names in the 60s when it was written. Yeah. So it's just little nuances like that are quite interesting to unpack how things change in some ways, but not in others. Anyway, carry on. Names are just sounds anyway. <laughs> uh, I've cut down most of the cast are either Star Wars or Marvel. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But new Star Wars, not old Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've got no computers equals chat GPT got out of hand a little and they had to <laughs> knock it on the head. I love this because this is this is fundamentally why we're in this position in the story. Yep. So before June, and this, I don't, it was only mentioned by name and maybe like a sentence in the book mm. about the Butlerian Jihad, which was when AI took over. AI learned that it was subservient to humans and it didn't like that. So there was a huge war yeah. between humans and AI and computers. So in a time with AI and computers, spaceships guided themselves via yeah. computers. You know, we had intelligent weapons. They had, they were a traditional science fiction society. And yeah. as like many of today's science fiction films, AI has taken over and it's a problem for the humans. So they won the war. They succeeded in the Butlerian Jihad. Yes. And they have... They had outlawed all thinking machines, which is why the spice comes in handy because of... So they outlawed AI and tech and just got off their tits. Yeah. So they got that high. They went, imagine if I just grew into a great big fish and could think through space and everyone went and then they actually did it but that's an overdose on the spice because yeah. when they take the spice you can see into the future mm. and when you can see into the future if you and this is how intricate it got when you can see into a future you can see all possible routes that a spaceship will take from a to b use the doctor strange thing that you were talking yeah. about wasn't it which is a successful route this is the way to go and the only way you can do that is by looking into the future if you don't have the computational ability to get that high <laughs> no, if you are not a computer, you don't have the computational ability to plan out a route through the stars yeah, it's, it's like the possible. computers would. Yeah. And the amount of time it would take and everything else. And maybe. getting that high on spice mm. causes mutations in a physical body. So he once was human, now, he is, now he's a blobfish. <laughs> yeah, completely. Uh, I made a point of making a note of this. Of It's a very f supportive family, which isn't a normal trope in... What? Speculative fiction. The Atreides. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously, the mother and father have a strange relationship anyway, but that's addressed later on for various reasons that we'll get on to. Yeah. But the father is super involved and supportive. Yeah. The mother helps train him. He's yeah. got an extended family, in, in quotation marks. Uh, Duncan and... Yeah, and the, the guy that helps him fight. I forget the name of him. Oh, my God. So have I. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. What's his name? But but essentially, whenever you look at these, it's it's the D&D tragic backstory 101 archetype, isn't it? Of, yep. you know, abandoned child on a planet. Yeah. You know, or a divide in the family or, you know, turns out it's my evil twist. Like, there, there's always something that calls back to the intricacies of how that family dynamic works. Whereas this is like, oh, they're actually all kind of... They're all kind of nice. Nice to each other yep. and it's fairly wholesome and... Although they've uprooted their entire family and moved to another place. <gasps> Lost in space. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. See, this is what I'm saying. And then, obviously, the, the the ripple effect that everything else happens. But to me, it kind of stood out in the first half hour. It was, there's no family drama. This is all just them living their lives and him wanting... Like, even the bit where, you know, he, the head of Trades guy... Leto. Yeah, he says Leto? to his son... Leto. You know, if if you don't if you don't want to carry this on, that's fine. Just tell me. That's fine yeah. because all I want you to be is you. And you're like, yeah. holy shit, that's the most wholesome thing I've ever seen in a sci-fi family. Wait, and and this is and this is where the film did a really good job of pulling this from the book is because mm. even though the book was written in the sixties and family dynamics were slightly different back mm. then, you could still see that everything was quite warm. Like Leto didn't marry Jessica because he wanted to keep his ring hand free to marry for political gain if he needed to. And this mm. is why the Emperor was so scared of the Atreides line, because they were good people. Yeah. They were generating a lot of um backing in the Landsgrad. The Lang Langsrad? I if you say so. It so all of these other big houses I struggle with words sometimes, but all of these bigger houses were rallying behind him and like, yeah. oh my God, Gaining this guy's amazing. It's a yeah. political threat. Yeah. So he's a political threat to the emperor, which mm. is why the emperor then comes up with this plan. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I've also made a note that none of my spellings are even close on this, but I will make a point of of highlighting where my brain went with mishearing things as well. Yeah. Uh, I've got big old space tubes for traveling. Yeah. Is... <sighs> this is one of my gripes with the film. Is like they depict it as being. Almost like a wormhole. You can see through the tube mm. at some point. And yeah, you can. There's a couple of shots. You can see through the tube. So you can see, one of the shots, you can see Caladan, which is the water planet mm. from the Arrakis side. And as far as I'm aware, I may be wrong, but as far as I'm aware, uh, as as per the universe, is the spacers, the pilots. Um, the big they plan. Yeah. They plan faster than light travel through a path to instantaneously get to where you need to go, mm. but they're still moving. Whereas the way they depicted it it's in the film like is a like a wormhole type thing, exactly. Isn't it? And that was like, I was like, am I wrong yeah, in my education, fair, or is the film depicting this in a way that's easy for users to users? Oh my god, I've been at work too long. <laughs> is the film depicting this in a way that is easy to understand for the viewers, as in like instantaneous travel? Yeah, but I, I quite, I, I found it really funny that in the original one. It was just like, obviously, because of the graphics and the, the FX and stuff like that, it was obviously 
jarring. Yeah. But the thing I found funny was just the real like offshoot close up red blue shift of this blobfish face going. Yeah. <laughs> hurtling through space. Which is kind of how it's depicted in the book or kind of how mm. it's explained in the book. But again, we haven't really dove that deep into it in the first. I know, book. but in in the in the newer film, I think you'd end up with the same effect of when we watched the original where after 40 seconds of screaming, it just cold cuts and you're like, oh, they're there. We're done. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> okay. It's, awesome. it's just a bit like... Oh. I think it goes into more of that later in the books and maybe into his son's books. And there are other books like explaining the universe and stuff. Like there is a there is an excerpt at the back of the book of the first book which kind of sets the scene a little bit and mm. i said to my friend marco at work i was like it would have been really good to read this before i actually read the like story the pre-reading yeah exactly um but this is what this is what happens when you develop this universe that is just it needs a- appendices exactly it needs a glossary and, and luckily he provided like the cimmerillion yeah. kind of situation yeah, yeah it needs that extra backing um i've i've made a note i don't know what sign language they know but i want to learn it because it is dope Oh yeah, the because it's just like pew pew pew, like three guys over there. Yeah, it's it's real covert, almost military esque to the point. Mm-hmm. No, no screwing around of the, the middle ground. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out because I know, when it comes to alphabetizing in sign, the vowels are pointed to fingers on the left hand. Yeah, so I was trying to work out whether there was, whether it was shorthand or whether there was a representation. Or I, I was trying to figure out. Yeah whether that has a directional thing as well. I'm waving my hand arbitrarily. <laughs> Who knows? This is set thousands of years in the future. Yeah. Language could have changed. I'm surprised they're all st- still speaking English at this point. Well, they, they a, f- a few languages do crop up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I've got down Dope Hat for the Witch Queen Mother because she's got the giant veil. The Bene Gesserit Reverend Mother. Yeah. She's a witch. The Bene Gesserit <laughs> is my other note. Oh my gosh. She's a witch. <laughs> You can do math. <laughs> so the Benny Gesserit for like if you've seen the film, you may get like a very brief understanding because they don't really talk about it. But in the book, they're going to really cult esque, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's very deep dive, kind of all to do with bloodlines and yeah, yeah, cloak so, and dagger. It's very very dark. I do. So like. the Benny Gesserit are a group of women um, who have been selectively breeding the human race for enhanced abilities over thousands and thousands of years. Um, and their purpose is to get to the chosen one. I won't butcher the name because it's not in English. Oh, I will because I've got different variations. Okay, from one I try to write down. So, the chosen one, they specialize or specialize all of their kind of group. The Bene Gesserit are women. They have the control of the voice. They are able to yep. kind of. They're called truth sayers. So the the Reverend Mother that you see in the new film mm. is the truthsayer to the Emperor. So yeah. she is uses spice to see the future and tell the Emperor what he needs to know. Well, she's um, a bitch anyway. Yeah, she's problematic. Yeah. Mm. That shit would be cancelled. But the Chosen One is the male version. Yeah. So the Bene Gesserit can see into the past through their genetic bloodline. So they can see all of the memories of all of the previous Bene Gesserit Reverend Mothers. When you become a Reverend Mother... Which is weird. Yeah. So it talks about genetic memory. So he's even seeding the concept of genetic memory yeah. in the 60s. You know, like this is... Uh, it's pretty wild. It's awesome. Um, but they can't see into the male side. Yeah. Hence the chosen. chosen one. I'll let you butcher the name later. 
but the chosen one is able to see into both the female bloodline and the male bloodline. Scroll down to where I'd actually scribbled oh, some of them. God, I'll get I'll get there. So my other thing, which is probably arbitrarily one of my most favourite things about this, it's the conjurer. It's the conjurer. <laughs> it is in my phone. It's Matt's name and the Reverend Mother <laughs> is the picture, the old one, the the old bald woman. That is Matt's picture. And the amount of times where I'm in the car and I'm shouting at the system, like, call Matt. And it's like, do you mean Gom Jabba? Oh, my God. And then that bald lady's face pops up on my info. info <laughs> in your car play. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. The poison needle. Yeah. But the thing that ties it in for me, what, what what's with the box of pain? The box of pain? What what is <clears throat> What's in that box? So she, expi- she explains it really well. Um, you'll see a lot of technology in this film that is would seem to be really really advanced mm. um but it's based on a um there's a scientist in the books who oh, I can't remember his name oh my god I'm going to have to google it oh there's a whole article here about the Gomjabar box the Holtzman effect <clears throat> so there was a scientist in the books called Holtzman um who I think it was during the Butler and Jihad or before the Butler and Jihad um, developed a technology that could cancel out gravity. So very efficient way of overcoming gravity. So yeah. you're talking about leaving atmosphere and stuff, leaving like atmosphere, even the glow globes. Oh, yeah. Those, they just right? hover around, and they? then also the suspensors that are attached to Baron Harkonnen. Because he's a very large man, uh, keeps him afloat. That's how he does the floaty floaty. So this technology is essentially underpinning the entire the entire universe. That's how the spaceships get off off the ground. Yeah. That's how you know is it, yeah. Essentially, it's a form of it's a form of gravitational propulsion. Mm-hmm. But it's high technology, low logic. Is right. how I like to think of it. So really advanced technology, low computational power required to actually run it. So. It avoids the whole AI thing. Yep. Um, the Gomdra Bar Box is a piece of technology that I think also kind of uses that the Holtzman effect to inflict pain on the user. So it's smushing? No, not smushing. Nerve induction. So fiddling with the nerves in your hand. Oh. Which is why when Paul yeah. takes his hand out, there's nothing on his hand. But she, the Reverend Mother sets it up really well. She's like, animals flinch. Humans control. Yeah, yeah, their no, pain. The, the, the psychology bit behind it that 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 was all fine okay, for me. That right. all made sense on on why she was testing the limits of what he could do. Yeah, in regards to controlling that and understanding it, that yeah. made sense. It was a case of the fuck's in there. He could just like a box of bees or something. No, is <laughs> it bees? Think it was electromagnetic kind of something that fiddles with the nerves because obviously the nerves in our body are basically just electro. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, hang on, I'm making a note. Oh, oh, it's not letting me write. No. Oh. Remember space bees. Space bees. <laughs> space bees. Bus. Bus, bus. Um, I've got down, fear is the little death, and then in brackets, French for orgasm? So what she actually says, I know, is fear is the mind killer. I right. know, but it was the fact <laughs> that she she then continues. It's fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. That blah blah blah. But my brain just went. Oh, she oui, does oui. not mean a petit <laughs> moi. Oui oui, the little death. 
Oh my god. <laughs> sorry to all French people out there for no, Jake's terrible no. accent. No, we're not sorry. We are not sorry. Um, so, <laughs> honestly, this, I haven't seen these notes either. So this I is going to no make no next. real sense to anyone other than me and you because of the snacks we were eating at the time. But I've put, if my hand was in the Kinder Bueno box, I'd be dead because I've got no impulse control. <laughs> Oh I would just be like, you can't take your hand out of the box because you'll have the Kinder Bueno to earn it and I'd already be eating it. There'd be an empty wrapper in there. Oh, the gomja bar would be I'd straight through my neck. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be on the floor, gomja bar on my neck with a Kinder Bueno sticking out my mouth <laughs> and be reaching for the second finger in that packet. <laughs> I'd be gone. It'd be straight be through gone. your neck as well. Yep, it, it'd actually pin the Kinder Bueno because I knew I don't have much time so I'm just going to like, <laughs> and it'd be skewered deep in my neck. Kinder bueno. <laughs> And it's you met, my, it's you met said by the Gomja bar. My was bad, and there's you just filleting a Kinder Bueno, waiting for the little death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway, yeah. But the reason that they're <laughs> oh, Bueno, Kinder Bueno is the man killer. Let's say Bueno Kino, Bueno Kino. That's if you watch it with the the Spanish overlay. Stop being stop stop it. <laughs> oh yeah. What's uh, next? I I would yeah. No impulse control. I would be unraveled. Crying. I'd be unraveled by a cinnabon. <laughs> that would be it. I could be the chosen one, but a cinnamon roll. The cinnabon. Before she's even finished her sentence, she just looks up and she's like. Oh. I don't, know if I, I don't know if it's worth actually spending this gomja bar on him. And then she's like, Just like I would have done. <laughs> this boy, you've raised an idiot. <laughs> drown him. <laughs> Take him out and drown him. <laughs> so, they're doing all of this to work out whether he's the chosen one. Are you ready for the attempts? Keeping in mind that these were notes that chase around the page because as we went through the film... I've added more based yeah. on what I thought I heard because I wasn't paying attention because I think at this point the curry turned up so I wasn't really paying much attention. Okay. So I've got the Hakda Jabali. <laughs> no. And then got something like that and then Lasagne Siad Saeed? Lasagna Saeed? No. And then I've got Mahdi <laughs> and then the Shaya Luhud. <laughs> Shia Hood is... is so, so it only took four attempts. One of those was lasagna, by the way. Wonderful. Okay, so the term is Kwisatz uh, Haderach, I think. So the Hakda Jabali was close. Well, not really. <laughs> not really. And, you know, you sound a little bit um, bigoted. I do. So let's not, let's <laughs> let's not, not focus that, on that. You? <clears throat> you know, he's he barely knows English, guys. Let's just leave him at that. I can't spell. Um... But then the other one you said, I think, is... Is it uh, the Mardi? Les al Um Oh, that's lasagna, Saeed. <laughs> Look, I was I was eating food. I wasn't paying attention. No, Lisan al Gaib, which is Come on, the Fremen turn for an off-world prophet or messiah. So, the prophet coming to Arrakis. Yeah, I was close. You were... No lasagna, though. <laughs> Move on. No bigger, t- no bi- no, no no bigotedness here. Move no, on. Just... There's a lasagna and Garfield no. reference. No, there, no, 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 no. Um, it's not I've Wednesday. Got... I've got minimalistic. It is Wednesday. 
Oh no, he hates Mondays, isn't it? Yes. Oh yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> Matt's not watch Garfield. No. Nope. I've got minimalistic, um, monolithic craft design, which yep. I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I absolutely love. There's no extra additional pointy bits. Nothing is a ball shape for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of times where you'll see sci-fi films where there's a... I know why some of the craft are designed to look aerodynamic. Obviously, they still have to enter and exit atmosphere, but if they negate gravity, it doesn't have to be done at speed. It's an aesthetic thing. But then if you look at Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with their giant blocks, it's a bit obscene. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of, to me, kind of fit that that real hard industrial feel, but yep. still futuristic. Yeah. And I think... So I think this is... They don't really talk about the architecture or anything mm. that I recall in the book. Oh, because the architecture on Arrakis is almost is is very Egyptian esque. Yeah, and I in think the layout I'm, of the the cities and stuff like that. And I think that's intentional from the movie perspective because mm. the first thing I thought was, what if this was what ancient Egypt looked like? Yeah. Right. What if you know? Because we obviously this is a different fucking if subject. That's, but if that's your off world. Yeah, yeah. What if we were? Arrakis back in the day you know like yeah. but <clears throat> I think the minimalism and stuff is intentional because there's no computers there's no you think the amount of stuff we have in our houses now which would be outlawed yeah. on Arrakis or in that time because they think you know half of this room would be empty you know so I think that's where the minimalism come from but I do agree I really really like how the film looked visually the, the ship design is minimal it's clean it's it's bonkers enough to be futuristic, but not out of the realms of yep. not impossible. Like when all the the ships are blowing up later, they're all yeah, kind yeah. of hovering. And again, your your anti gravity anti gravity thing kind of the whole says effect why. Stuff. Yep. Because if that then plants itself, it's then got gravity affected. You don't know the the integrity or structure yep. is affected. But if you look at them, it, it's 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 pleasing to look at. Um. Um, I found it really curious that the only musical instrument that had survived throughout space and time was the bagpipes. And you know what? It didn't sound out of no, place. No, it didn't. But when they get off that ship and he's fucking belting it, yep. it fits. Yep. Um, I have some trivia mm. about the Dune soundtrack. Um, so... I'm not going to give too much away, but I'll talk to you off the podcast. I work with someone whose sister plays for and with Hans Zimmer. So, oh, look at me. I know people. I am well networked. But like (laughs) when I found this out, I was on a business trip with my colleague and casually just threw it out there. I was like, what are you? Having a giggle. <laughs> this is big news. You can't just drop that in. You cannot just. Th- this is things like the Interstellar soundtrack. Oh, right. Exactly. Anyway, that's trivia done. This was like the trivia I had with a work colleague where I said Danger Will Robinson, and he said he went to school with Will Robinson, and I lost my marbles. And he was like, "No, there was just a kid called Will Robinson. Why are you going crazy?" I was like, "Have you not seen?" Yeah, but then his mum was lost in space. Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Sorry. I've got um Sadakar are the Didgeridoo Warriors. The Sadakar. That's the one. Yeah. 
I don't know why I put didgeridoo warriors. So this is another reason why the oh, Emperor no, wanted to get when rid the of... Cam- when, when it switches scene, the guy's there going... To everyone, and they've got the weird dots on their face, and yep. they're dressed in white, and they're supposed to be like the ultimate assassins. Yeah, so the Sardaukar are the Emperor's army. They're the Emperor's fist. Uh, that's um, the bit I missed. That makes one, sense. One of the reasons that the Emperor wanted to get rid of the Atreides um, is because his army had amassed skills mm. to... Yeah, because the Atreides' house, the, their warriors were next their to warriors the best, weren't they? Were trained by Duncan Idaho. Yes. Right? Um, so the Sardaukar... Who's an absolute chad. Absolute chad. <laughs> played by none other. The... the Jason go, Momoa. Yeah. The go. Who I still cannot not think of the guy from Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, it's never going away, is no, it? No, it's never going. I don't care how many Aquaman films you're in. Mm-hmm. You are still Ronan Dex from Stargate Atlantis. Yep. And judging... Right. I used to think you were pretty well built in Stargate Atlantis. Now you're like double the size. Still, you can pop my whole head off with your arm. Just by sneezing at you. Sneak, yeah. But yeah, anyway, Duncan Idaho trained the um, the Atreides army. Yeah. So in terms of like fist for fist power, because the Atreides... And the Harkonnens tre- cheated because they just missiled everything anyway, but that's another point. <laughs> so then, yeah, w- um, I think we'll get to the war mm-hmm. soon. But anyway, carry on. Uh, so I've got weird arranged marriage going on, but we kind of addressed that one because huh? they, I, I thought they were married at first and then... Hey. The, oh, the Jessica yeah, and yeah, Lita. But then they weren't. Uh, that all slotted into place. She said concubine. Yeah, and That's then you had to word. explain what that word meant because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just some like weird Roman thing for someone who would just porcupine like, touch your bits whenever you feel like it kind of thing. No. Yeah. No. No. Uh, assassination with the flying Gomjabar. <laughs> <laughs> followed by a big ass battle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The big ass battle. Um... So, trying to wipe out the pool to mm. wipe out the future Atreides lines was all part of the plan. Yeah, because they were double played by the scientist guy and he was going to use his ticket, but then give him the chance to have an honourable death by taking out the big Harnikin dude with the tooth yep. and that kind of stuff. And It's all a bit, it all got a bit political, but... Yeah, because he was super chill. He was like, "Sorry, I've kind of betrayed you, and your family is supposed to be safe, but you're gonna die. But you can go out swinging." He's kind of like, "Yeah, mm. okay." Well, he was paralyzed at that point, and he no, was going to die. So no, but it was that kind of, I suppose, when given an ultimatum and you don't really have a choice, make yeah. peace with it and crack on. Oh, exactly. But it was kind of the fact that he was sat there like, "Yeah, okay." Mm. <laughs> what? So, for additional context, not not for you, but for the listeners, the battle ensued because the Emperor had taken the Harkonnens away from Arrakis mm-hmm. and had given Arrakis and leadership of the spice production and leadership of Dune to the Atreides. And Leto had come in with this plan to win the Fremen over, become a society, like everyone working together, whereas the Harkonnens ruled with an iron fist. So... He starts to win over the Fremen. He starts to win everyone over. And then the Empress gives the Harkonnens um, a couple of battalions of the Sardaukar to bolster the army Mm -hmm. to take out Atreides. But 
the purpose is no one can know that I've helped you because then the Landsrad are yeah, going to be it's, like... It's all political close. The Landsrad are going to yeah. be like, you've wiped out our favourite guy. Oh my God, overthrow you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the Bene Gesserit are in on this as well because they have a stake in it because their line to the Chosen One Yeah, she's got the bubble Paul, of silence. Cone of silence. Yeah. Which is referent, which is used then again in... Which also uses the Holtzman effect. Just... Ah, uh, okay. Sound waves, gravity, yeah, all that yeah, jazz. Yeah. Um, um, she basically comes to Harkonnen and says, the Emperor's going to give you the army, but no one else can know. Um, so it's all very political. The Bene Gesserit obviously have a stake in the Atreides line because that's where their, in quote marks, chosen one mm-hmm. is. Um, but yeah, essentially... It all gets a little bit political, a little bit messy. It's all kind of stuff from the start, isn't it, really? Um, so, yeah, the big floaty boy. Big floaty boy. Really, he's, he's a little bitch, really, because he gives it the biggins. He's sat there eating all their food, and then the poison gas goes off, mm. and he craps it, and you're like, yeah, well. And he floats up to the ceiling. You're not so big. You're sat there like a like a booger stuck on the ceiling. Yeah. When you thought you were the mad lad, and you, you're not. That's reserved for Duncan. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Um, also, unfortunately, I've just seen the time. Um, I think this is going to have to be our first ever two-parter. It's going to be a part two. <laughs> I think it's going to be our first ever two-parter. So what we're going to have to do is we'll say goodbye now, and then we'll pick this up next time. Next time. <gasps> Shock we may get, from cling, we cling, may get we may get a midweek episode. Mm. Carry this on. We'll see how we go. But yeah, um, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it if you do, just because. This is the whole. This whole podcast journey has culminated in this point where we just wanted to talk about June. Yeah, it's kind of it, really. <laughs> I don't even care if we get any listeners on this one. I just want to talk about June. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, have fun. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Watch out for the spice. Watch out for the spice. Don't go to your spice. Where the spice goes. Oh, no.